video with the uh, PowerPoint. What'd you say? Yep. Okay. All right. <clears throat> so I have some uh, put together some pictures on a PowerPoint uh, of some things that have been created to save time and make life easier. All right. First one. Dishwasher. <laughs> All right. Hallelujah. Okay. There we go. All right. Next one. Microwave oven. I hear the claps, hand claps for that one. Yep. Next one. Airplanes. They get us from here to there much quicker than walking or riding in a car or train. Yeah. Much faster. All right. Next. <clears throat> the Internet of Things. And so you look there and you just see different uh, icons representing different things, and they're all connected. Not only are they connected, but they're connected all over the um, globe. So we're interconnected on this planet. Go ahead. All right, what do we ever do without wonderful computers, right? I don't know how we survived without computers, right? And the next one. Now, that's the one I really don't know how we would survive without. Somehow we lived thousands of years without those things, but today we cannot. We, we cannot survive without those things, okay? So we'll stop right there, Joseph. <clears throat> All right, <clears throat> so here's a question to think about. If we have so many devices, gadgets, and pieces of equipment and technology to save us time and make life easier, why is it that we never have any time anymore? We're all so busy all of the time, it seems. All right. Second question. So what happens when you have a whole society of people who want it now, have to have it now, have been conditioned, trained, and accustomed to getting everything now or even yesterday, and they meet up individually with the Almighty God who is from everlasting to everlasting, who has always been, who will always be, who is not moved by time, who changes not in his word, his characteristics, or his standards. What happens when those two entities meet? Got a guess? It ain't pretty. All right. Because <clears throat> I can tell you, one of them doesn't change. One of the things I hear a lot from people today is how tired we are, how busy we are, how stressed out we are, and how we don't have time to add anything else to our schedule. One cure for this in the Bible seems to be to wait on the Lord. I know, totally antithetical, right? But yes, that's God's plan. Why wait on the Lord? Because according to scripture, it says when we do that, we renew our strength, our energy level. So today, the title of this message is a long, complicated title. But <clears throat> I'm going to use a dirty four-letter word. Okay? Anybody want to guess what it is? You got it. 
wait. So the title of my message is wait, period, in parentheses, that bad four-letter word. You've got to be kidding, right? Or the lost art principle characteristic of waiting on the Lord. All right. So as we get started with this today, let me be the first to say that I have not perfected this uh, theme that we're talking about today. I am better at it than I used to be, but I've still got a long way to go regarding waiting on the Lord. We're going to start with this scripture, but it's just to introduce it to you, and then we'll come back to it at the end and talk about it more then. But it's Psalm 84, verses 4 through 7. All right. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, which is, uh, Baca means place of weeping or barrenness, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Next scripture is 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. Therefore in, um, <clears throat> therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. This is Paul speaking. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So... When is Paul strong? When he's weak. Okay. Question for you. You don't have to answer out loud. But how many of you like being weak? I don't. Just be straight up honest with you. Okay. So, but it's in our weaknesses. That's when God has the opportunity to show himself strong. Okay. Um, Why God does things like that? In one hand, it's beyond me, but on the other hand, I think I know it's because he wants the credit. He wants the glory. And if we can do it on our own, lots of times he don't get that credit. He doesn't get that glory. Okay. But it's when things don't make sense and he works them out. It's when he puts someone in a position who has no, no reason why that person is in that position. And the Lord works it and gets the glory out of it. Those things uh, are, seems to be what God does a lot of times. Um, he says here, uh, this is in verse 9, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. I'm not there. <laughs> I don't like boasting about my weaknesses. Okay. Um, but the reason why is the next part of that, so that Christ's power may rest on me. 
rather than my own, that Christ's power, I've got to get there. Each one of us, we need to get there. That is why for Christ's sake, not for our sake, but for Christ's sake, we need to delight in weaknesses, in insults. I can't believe that's just hard to believe in hardships, in persecutions and in difficulties. Again, for when we are weak, that's when Christ has the ability to be strong in us. Let's look at Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. And this one I'm going to take from the Living Bible. I like the way it's written here. It says, don't you yet understand? Don't you know by now that the everlasting God, the creator of the farthest parts of the earth, never grows faint or weary. No one can fathom the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the tired and worn out and strength to the weak. Even the youth shall be exhausted and the young men will all give up. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Uh, a while ago, and I don't remember how long ago it was, but I'm sure it's been well over a year, I preached on something here. And anyway, I was doing a uh, talking about the eagle's wings and um, the difference. I had done some uh, research. I was like, why is it use eagle's wings there? Okay. And um, <clears throat> anyway, the gist of it was that when the eagle takes off, and catches that current, they just spread those wings and they go. They can glide for miles. Whereas a little bird, they're working, okay? The eagle is just just coasting, gliding. That's the Lord being on, that's like us being on the Lord's strength. We're not working, you know, but when we're that little bird and we're, we're having to work, and too many times we're the little bird, outworking ourselves, doing what we don't need to be doing, trying to do it in our own strength, okay, instead of waiting on the Lord to come and lead us and guide us. So uh, notice that the key here is to not just wait, but to what? Finish that. Let's see. It would be... Verse 31, is that up there? Yeah. Ah, okay. In the NIV, it says hope, but in the uh, version I use, which is why I use that version, it says wait, okay? Anyway, to wait in the Lord, not just to wait, but the key thing is to wait upon the Lord, all right? Uh, next scripture, Lamentations chapter 3, verse 21 through 24. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The thing I wanted to point out here is where it says, the Lord is my portion. That means he's our source. Okay, he's our all and all. 
Okay. Uh, so everything that we are looking for, we need to find it in him as our source. And when we do that, then we're, we wait on him. We look to him. Next scripture, Psalms 103, verses 1 through 5. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. So when we take time to remember God's benefits and the things he has done for us, we give thanks. Okay, we give praise. We come into his presence. And that being in his presence is where we are renewed. So when we look at those verses I just read, it says, verse two, praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. The way you don't forget them is, of course, you have to remember them. You have to take time to think about, to reflect upon when you start reflecting on what has God already done in your life? What has God done for you? What has he provided for you? How has he brought you out? How has he healed you? How has he delivered you? How has he saved you? When you start thinking about those things, automatically praise and thanksgiving are going to come forth and you're going to be right into his presence. Okay. And being in his presence, okay, is where, your youth is renewed like the eagles. All right. Psalm 27, 13, 14. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. All right. So, Joseph, if you'll go back to the PowerPoint and that last one, there are some questions on it. If you'll bring those up. All right. The questions are, what is the difference between waiting and waiting on the Lord? Second one, while waiting on the Lord, what do we do while we wait? And third, why would the Lord ever make us wait on him? All right. So, Joseph, if you'll leave that up, I would like to ask all of you to get into groups of two, preferably. If you need to get in a, a, a group with three, that's fine, but definitely no more than three because uh, you won't have time for everybody to talk. And I want you to discuss those three questions with each other, and I'm going to give you about seven minutes to do so. Go.
Okay, all right. So let's do a brief survey of these three questions. Won't get to each group for each answer, but I'm just going to ask a couple of answers for each question. So um, what is the difference between waiting and waiting on the Lord? Carrie, your group, what, what did you guys, what do y'all want to say? So as a believer, waiting on the Lord, you know, looks more like um, prayer, reading his word, being quiet before him, um, hoping in him, trusting him in that in that process. Okay. All right. Mike and Ernest, you guys want to address that one? Often waiting, general waiting, is wasteful. Like we waste a lot of time sitting around acting like we don't know what to do. Um, kind of goes to the second question. Um, because we're afraid, we're uncertain. But waiting on the Lord is confidence in the fact that God has already worked this out. So whatever I'm waiting on him to do, or whatever door for him to open, has already been done. So what I'm waiting on is really just for me to get on the track and ride till the doors open. And hopefully I don't miss the stop. <laughs> and thankfully there's grace there. So. All right. Okay, second question. While waiting on the Lord, what do we do while we wait? Um, Suzanne, your group. feel like I'm completing something that's not striving so like I like to color and it's like I can still have control over the page but like God has control over my mind because when you have anxiety you spiral and you think around everything and I think if we have something like something calming for us to do while he just transforms us that way we're not waiting like Ernest was talking about and I think of general waiting I think of pacing and I don't think he wants us to pace. I think he wants us to just be relaxed. Okay. All right. Uh, let's go to um, the group Ivor was in. Ivor, right there. Second question? Yeah, second question. Um, I, I think, in just to piggyback off of what was just said, uh, it's, it has a lot to do with calming your storm while you're waiting. Uh, because of what you shared earlier about being quick and easy and instant, we are very easily distracted. And I think that when we are in a place of waiting, it's because we just need to calm our what's going on with us internally. 
It's kind of like a plane in a holding pattern. You're going to land eventually. Just now. Okay. Cool. All right. Uh, last question. Why would the Lord ever make us wait? All right. Group in the back corner. Uh, all right. Well, it's all good. Um, yeah. So we talked about a couple different things. One, um, you know, as we wait, you know, the, the Lord is glorified um, as things come to fruition. Um, sometimes the Lord makes us wait because um, sometimes there's the right thing that comes at the wrong time. Um, and, and as we wait on the Lord, it can be the right thing at the right time because that's very important. Um, but, yeah, as we wait on the Lord, I mean, and, and we wait on him, he, he works things out because his perspective is so much greater than ours. Um, and, and as we wait on him, it's the right thing at the right time um, as those things come to fruition. Um, and so the, the biggest thing that's important for us is, you know, as we continue to wait on the Lord, just also remembering all the things that he's already done for us and, and kind of keeping that perspective as we wait as well. All right. Go ahead. And just to add exactly to what he said, I think sometime when we wait, you know, I think the Lord is building something, doing something else in us. It's not just about what we may be thinking about. It may not just be that expectation or that hope that we think we're waiting about. I think the Lord is building something else in us for what is yet to come because it's not, I mean, sometimes, as you said, we get blindsided by that thing that we're waiting for, having no clue or no idea that something else is about to come or something else we're about to deal with, but it's because of this weight and this expectation and this victory that I think Ernest talked about, the victory we already have. Something's working in us for what's about to come. Our present stewardship will determine our future responsibilities in terms of what we can handle. Very good. All right. Thank you all. So let's move on. Um, so let's look at Hebrews 6.15. And this is, I'm labeling this, how to correctly wait on God. And I'm using two versions here. Uh, the first one is NIV. It says, and so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Okay, waiting patiently. That's the correct way to wait on the Lord. And then the King James and the New King James says, and so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. So the words they're um, pointing out are patiently endured. So I had a feeling I knew what those words meant, but lots of times I just like to go to the dictionary to see what the dictionary says. So endure means to suffer, to go through, to experience, okay? To suffer, to go through, to experience. Patiently means, <laughs> this one, I like this one, but it'll get you. It says, with calmness or without complaint or hurry, in spite of delays and difficulties. Again, patiently, with calmness or without complaint or hurry, 
in spite of delays and difficulties. So if you put those two words and definitions together, you would come up with something like this. To suffer or go through experiences with calmness and without complaint or hurry in spite of delays and difficulties. That's how to correctly wait on the Lord. Grade yourself zero to ten. Where, where do you fall? Don't tell me. <laughs> we will not have a race to the bottom today, okay? <laughs> All right. So, um, in my research on putting together this message, I came across several really good articles. And there's one that I want to read, most of it, but it's not long. And then there's the, uh, another one I just want to read the highlights on it. But this one is called Five Reasons God Makes Us Wait. It's by a guy named Eric, I'm thinking Spear, S-P-E-I-R. And uh, so here it is. <clears throat> Perhaps you know the feeling of waiting for your phone to charge. You've run out of batteries, you've, uh, you've plugged the phone in, and now there's nothing to do but to sit still and wait. And even though it really only takes a matter of minutes, and even though it's nothing more than a phone, you start to feel tense and anxious, wondering how long this could possibly take. Most people don't like to wait. We often get frustrated waiting on fast food or waiting behind the slow car in the fast lane. We are always in a rush to get to the next place or the next thing. This mindset often carries over into our spiritual lives with us rushing to the next big thing. But while most of us are in a hurry, it seems God is usually not in a hurry. The scriptures say he is slow at going about things. He, it seems he always has a plan and a purpose for everything. The problem with waiting is not having all the details. From our perspective, we have everything figured out and we want God to move within our time frame. But God rarely does things according to our time frame. And because of this, we can easily get discouraged. If we aren't careful, we'll think he's uncaring or mad at us. In the Gospels, we see this happening to Mary and Martha while they were waiting on Jesus to come and heal their brother Lazarus. When Jesus finally showed up, he was accused of taking too long. God always has good reasons for making us wait. Waiting is a part of life and one of God's tools for developing people. The Bible is full of stories of people having to wait on God, such as Noah, Abraham, Moses, Joseph, David, Daniel, Jesus, Paul, and countless others. In studying the lives of these great people, I've discovered five reasons God makes us wait. The first one, and this one is not an easy one to start off with, but he wrote it, not me. Waiting reveals our true motives. Waiting has a way of bringing out the best and worst in people. People who don't have good motives won't wait long because they're not interested in the commitment it takes to see something through. They're too interested in short-term gains or success. Two, waiting builds patience in our lives. Patience in waiting for small things leads to having patience in the bigger things. If we can't wait for God to do a small thing, we certainly can't wait for something bigger. Our problem is our perspective is usually wrong. We tend to think 
The bigger things in life are finances and possessions, while God thinks influencing and changing people is more important. Three, waiting bills anticipation. Why do children get so excited around Christmas? Because the wait has produced anticipation. A few years ago, my family and I were going through a difficult season. We had to live with my mother-in-law for a few years. During this time, the Lord assured me that one day we would own our own home. It took a few years to see this happen, but when the day finally came, we could hardly contain ourselves. People tend to treasure the things that they have to wait for. Number four, waiting transforms our character. Waiting has a way of rubbing off the rough edges of our lives. Most of us know the story of Moses delivering the Israelites from the Egyptians. It's a grand story of God doing great miracles. But few sermons talk about Moses having to wait in the desert 40 years before God came to him. God used this time of waiting to transform his character. We know this because when he was a young man, he was brash and impatient. In his impetuousness, he killed a man and hid the body. When his sin was made public, he ran for his life and was exiled to the desert. When he was given a second chance, he opted to do it God's way and in God's time. In the end, the Israelites were delivered from slavery and Moses became a great leader. Waiting transformed the life of Moses and it does the same for you and me. And number five, waiting builds intimacy and dependency upon God. The reason we are able to read about the great men and women of the Bible is because they all had one thing in common. They were all people who learned their success in life was directly proportionate to their intimacy and dependency upon God. For them, a relationship with God wasn't a quick get-rich scheme. For many of them, it was a matter of life and death. Waiting during the difficult times developed their relationship with God. Some of the most intimate relationships we have in our lives are because a friend stood in the trenches with us during the heat of the battle. The reason we get to read the stories of these great men and women is because they went through the difficulties of life with God. In the end, they enjoyed the process with God and the promise of God. I've always believed God is just as interested in the journey as he is in the destination. If not, all the biblical accounts would only include the feel-good parts and not the good, the bad, and the ugly of the times of waiting. We may not always understand why we have to wait, but the good news is that God never asks us to wait without him. And the second article was by a lady named Linda Green, and it's titled, What to Do While You're Waiting on God. And I'm only going to give you the, um, uh, the numbers that she uh, listed. So number one, believe that the God who saved you hears your cries. Number two, watch with expectancy, but be prepared for unexpected answers. Three, put your hope in his word. Four, trust in the Lord, not in your own understanding. Five, resist fretting, refrain from anger, be still and choose patience. 
Six, be strong and take courage. Seven, see it as an opportunity to experience God's goodness. Eight, wait for God's promise instead of going your own way. Nine, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful with thanksgiving. And number 10, remember the blessings yet to come. All right. So at this time, I want to go back to that first scripture I read, and let's look at it in some uh, detail, which was Psalm 84, verses 4 through 7. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, which again means place of weeping or barrenness, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. So first of all, in looking at these verses, it is obvious from the scriptures that we've looked at that our true strength comes from God. We have some natural strength, okay? And, uh, but it is highly insufficient for the work that God has called you and me to do. Second, our mindsets need to be set on the fact, and yes, I said fact, that this world in which we physically live now is not our home. Our home is in heaven. So we need to have a mindset of pilgrimage. Yes, we live here now, and we need to make this earthly world the best that we can, but our number one focus needs to be on our eternal home. Third, when we go through our desert places, our places of weeping, barrenness, hurt, and pain, the only way we will ever make our valley of Baca a place of springs and water is to appear one-on-one before our loving and merciful Father God in a continuous manner where we will then find ourselves going from strength to strength to strength from being in his presence and doing what he tells us. And so as you look at those verses again, Verse four, blessed are those who dwell in your house, okay? In his presence is what that means, okay? Those who are constantly, continually living in his presence. During the week, when you're not at church, when you're not with the saints, you're still in his presence. You're praising him. Five, blessed are those whose strength is in you, okay? You recognize that the source of your strength The source of all you have, the source of all you need is in the Lord, okay? Whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Yes, you live in this world and you're going to do what you need to do to be effective here. But your your main focus, which which you've got your eyes on, is that pilgrimage. This world, I remember growing up in the Amy Zion Church and the old folks, and they were old back then when I was younger than these kids, And they used to sing this song, which I'm not going to sing it. My voice is not right. But this world is not my home. Some of y'all probably know that song. Um, But anyway, um, they used to sing that song. And, boy, they would sing it with such passion. And back in that days, I I was like, 
That meant absolutely nothing to me. It's amazing how much it means to me now. All right. So, uh, and then six, as they passed through the place of barrenness and weeping, they make it a place of springs. That's amazing. Because that can't be done in our own strength. It cannot be done. And our only God can cause places of barrenness and weeping to become places of joy and laughter and abundance and fruitfulness. Okay? And we go from strength to strength as we appear before God in Zion. All right. So that, ladies and gentlemen, is why we need to wait on the Lord. And that's my message for today, and I'm sticking with it. Craig, I'll let you close us. Lord God, we just come before you and just thank you that, um, that we learn to wait on you. Lord God, it is not something that is in our nature. It is not something that we do well at. But Lord God, we just pray that you would teach us, Lord God, what you want in us and change in us so that we're in the waiting process, Lord God, that you would just prepare us for the moment that, that is right. Just like Brandon talked about, there's right times, wrong times, Lord God. And sometimes we try to push that timing up further than it needs to be because we are not right to handle what's going on in the waiting process. And Lord, as you, as we wait on you, Lord, we pray that you help us to cultivate that relationship with you. Help us to hear your voice deeper, Lord God, and just to really um, push into your presence like never before. Lord God, so we just thank you that for this message today, Lord God. We just ask that you would just help us to apply it in our lives, Lord God, and help us not to be in a rush, Lord, but to allow the things of you to transform us to be more like Christ. So we thank you for that today. And we just pray over this church, Lord, pray over every family, Lord God, as they go out through this week. Help us be an example of Christ to the community where we're at, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Bless you. Go in peace.